this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. Welcome you to episode 130 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal, airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Shred Shack and youtube.com slash Templum. Let's get started with some old business. I will really one day get that sound clip thing back. One day. One day. One day. One day. You know, like when you have all a lot of time on your hands. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> like when you're, when you're actually stuck at home. Well, I mean, I, I am I am stuck at home and, and quarantine, but I am working like I'm working more now than I was before the quarantine. So that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. You're like the one of the very few people who can probably say that. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's uh, just everything everything ramped up. Because I, I took on a new task at work, so it's like, oh, by the way, here's here's an extra couple of hours, you know. But that is badass, though. Yeah. So that's so, cool. But uh, old business. Old business. So Alex Kuvaris, uh, who is the son of original Riot guitarist Lou L. A. Kuvaris, has confirmed that his father died from coronavirus-related complications. He was 66 years old. I we talked about this past uh, this obituary on our last podcast. Gotcha. That's why it's old business. And also, we mentioned on the last podcast, and this is a follow-up to that, that on uh, Monday, April 6th, Black Sabbath guitarist Tony Iommi auctioned six items from his collection to help support medical relief efforts in the wake of the coronavirus. All items are from Tony's personal stash, and they will be autographed, and the winner will get free shipping to any location on the globe. The shipping won't be next day, but you won't have to pay for it, so... And all proceeds go straight to charity. I was going to say, if you're getting free shipping, uh, don't get expect next day. Yeah. Uh, so according to the BBC, Tony Omi has raised more than 19,000 pounds, which is approximately $23,760 for the United Kingdom's National Health Services by auctioning off his personal items, including one of his guitars. Uh, the guitar sold for 11,300 pounds, which is approximately $14,130. With other items from the collection raising just under eight thousand pounds for University Hospitals Birmingham, uh, here's the items that were auctioned off. We have Black Sabbath's Dehumanizer, two CD remastered with live bonus tracks that was up for auction at uh, one hundred fourteen pounds. Black Sabbath Supersonic Years box set for one hundred eighty pounds. Well, I wonder what that is. Right, I never heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, Black Sabbath's The End Vinyl, which is three discs, uh, 255 pounds. Black Sabbath's The End DVD, three CDs, uh, 251 pounds. Tony Iommi's signed Epiphone SG guitar for uh, for 2,100 pounds. This is, I guess, the starting bids, because obviously it sold for far more than that. Yeah. And uh, Black Sabbath's Japanese DVD box set for The End at 250 pounds. So that w- that's old business. Okay. I thought he was gonna, you know, auction off more stuff than that, but that's that sounds still sounds pretty cool, and it's all signed by him. So yeah, obviously, yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. But that's it for old business. Okay. So let's go on to new business, and with new business, we t- typically start off with talking about new album releases, um, of which I have. Well, we we have one. We have one that we will probably talk about in in depth. 
well, a little bit more in depth than a little bit because I, I mean, you have more to say about it than I do. I had yeah. passive listen. I ended up going back. I ended up getting the Testament album and and the the new Nightwish album, which we're mm-hmm. going to talk about on the same day. And I went back and listened to the New Testament album instead. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. I so, don't blame you. And yeah. I haven't got a chance to listen to much of what came out this past Friday because gotcha. we are now on the nineteenth, and I haven't listened to much. Um, uh, from the uh, from the seventeenth, the only thing I really I, I gave a passing listen to from the seventeenth was the new aborted EP, and you know it's aborted. It's really nothing different. Um, but the one album that I actually gave a a, a decent listen to um, was the Nightwish record uh, Human uh, Nature. Yeah, and um, I still feel that they are very much underutilizing their vocal talents in that band. Um, I, I think they they have uh, they have not unleashed Floor the way that she should be. Uh, she's a power singer, and I think they're really holding her back. Um, Marco is not very much r- relevant on the record at all, which yeah. is a shame. Which we, is the same as with Endless Forms Most Beautiful, yeah. which sucked. Which is why I'm glad that he released his solo album in the meantime. Yes. You, know, you, you get you know, uh, more, more Marco for... Instead of through Nightwish, you get it somewhere else. Yeah, I and um, but the the album itself, like the first, like it's a two disc record. All right, the first disc is your your Nightwish record. All right, so you you know what you're gonna get. Uh, on the first listen, I wasn't too into it, but then on subsequent listens, I've gotten more into it. And that's happened with almost every Nightwish record after Dark Passion Play mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Um, and like again, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. The second disc, you don't need at all. Um, I know for hardcore fans, it probably is, is probably great, but it's all orchestral with no vocals, no vocals whatsoever, uh, except for like a spoken word part at the end, which is like pretty much um, the guy's signature at this point. But it really does not. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't belong as as the second disc of a two disc record, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. I think it could have been a standalone. It could have been something that he did by himself. Not with Nightwish, uh, I think it was a waste of a second disc. Mm. Like disc one, great. Disc two, not needed at all. Gotcha. At all. Yeah, I, I only listened to the first disc so far. I haven't gotten to the second disc. Um, and what I've heard, I've liked, but it, you know, it is kind of, you know, it, it kind of struck me in the same way that Endless Forms Most Beautiful did. In that, I, I kind of, I'm kind of passive to it. Uh, there was one particular song that I did, you know, kind of listen in and enjoy, and that was one where they had a third singer come in and and, and sing. That one in particular was was quite good. Yeah, the song's but, called Harvest, I think. Yeah, and um, yeah, that one is very good. And the singer on that one, I think you and I talked about, it, is they they made their um, their multi instrumentalist a, a full time member of the band. Mm-hmm. He's the one who does all the like the pipe work and all the the the, the other instruments that are not keyboards, drum, bass, guitar. So he does all that stuff, and he also sings. Yeah. So he's the lead vocal on that particular song. Yeah, and and that, that song in particular was really good. Yeah. So. But uh, you know everything else is kind of you know par for the course as far as my first listen. Uh, I need to take another listen to it. So, but <clears throat> yeah, I I have little to say about it at this point. So. Yeah, I mean, so far, like, yeah, again, I've gone back and listened to it. I've enjoyed it more on multiple listens, but. Uh, but there's nothing that absolutely strikes you. There's nothing that grabs you right away uh, about the record, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, it's not to say that it's bad. It's just there's just nothing new. 
Although, next week, though, next week, Catatonia and Trivium and okay. Warbringer. So, that's going to be a good week. Okay. And then by the time we record the next podcast after that, well, no, two podcasts later, we'll have uh, Lamb of God. Mm. Lamb of God. So, that'd be, that'd be cool. And Paradise Lost, Firewind. A couple good ones coming up soon. Okay. It's going to be good. Cool. Uh, then what else have we been listening to? All right. Albums of the day. Starting off with one of our double downs here. We had August Burns Red Guardians, which is their new record. Um, Graham Agus, Wolf God. Mm-hmm. Glow Sun, uh, Beyond the Wall of Time. And Iced Earth, Something Wicked This Way Comes. I'm not surprised about the Iced Earth for you. So. Well, it was something that I was... Um, I was just looking for something, like, I was in the gym, I needed something to listen to, and I needed something I knew to kind of, like, keep myself from being s- distracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, the Grand Magus album, I was actually, um, I put it as the album of the day and everything, but comparative, com- comparatively, I was a little disappointed to, uh, you know, compared to previous records. Um, just nothing really... Um, it was it was good, but nothing really caught me like like the like the album like the full album of Triumph and Power really uh-huh. did. Um, now since then, I've ordered the 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 rest of the discography that I'm missing. Um, so hopefully, I'll I'll kind of see how they how they started and what 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 kind of progression they've had from the very beginning into now, um, and kind of maybe get a little bit more perspective on. On what it's what you know compared to everything else, what it sounds like. So. Yeah. So. All right, another one of our double downs here. Uh, this is actually earlier in the week. Uh, is uh, testament practice what you preach? Uh, Anacrusis, uh, manic impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dynasty, the dark delight, and conception, state of deception. I know we mentioned Dynasty last time. Uh huh. Um, testament was because I didn't get the. Titan to Creation album yet, so that album though you've listened to the Titan of Creation though, right? Yeah, oh, I, I, I listened to it twice. It's fucking so. badass. It's so good. Um, and the Anacrusis album was was part of the A to Z run, um, and they're old school thrash, um, and they got a lot more progressive. Their their follow up album to that, um, um, Screams and Whispers, uh, was really really good. Um, so they kind of they kind of started off as like traditional thrash and got a little more progressive as they went on, and I actually just picked up their first two records because they got re-released. Um, um, just I, I think I think they got re-released a couple of years ago, but I, I, they they finally became more available and I picked them up. So okay. Alright, so next up we had Nightwish, the new one, Human Nature, mm-hmm. and Danzig um, 4. Danzig 4, which is, I mean, all things considered, probably one of the last really great Danzig records. Um, I, I need to take a better listen to his latter day stuff, or everything after that, because Danzig 1 through 4 um, is, is pretty much solid material amazing material so um, I'm 
I just like listening to I listened to the, the last album he put out, but prior to like you know his his new covers record and everything, and I was like, man, he's he kind of sounds like he's just phoning it in at this point. So, mm. um, and, and he he kind of changed his style a little bit um, after four. Uh, it got it was one of those things. It, it was kind of the same route that 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 Dio took. Instead of being in, in in the classic form, they went a little bit more into the. Um, um, uh, uh, heavier sound, mm-hmm. like so. Instead of instead of sticking to that that classic sound, they went for the sake of heaviness in, into the into the into the way that the '90s were going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was just good. Yeah. I miss Matt. All right, so then we followed that up with uh, "Straight Out of Hell" by Halloween. Yeah, and I listened to Ver. In this moment, we are free. Cities. Never heard of that one. Well, this is this this is the metal band that Annika Van Giersbergen started uh, recently. Oh, okay. And it's very good. Okay. Very, very good. So I, I just decided to kind of catch up on certain things, mm-hmm. and this is one of them, and it's very good. Okay. Highly recommend that one. All right. So leading into our uh, next tries video. You listened to some Exhumed. Yeah, Exhumed. Uh, I'm not sure which album it was. Uh, Gore Metal. Oh, Gore Metal? Okay. Yeah. And then I listened to Death Angel Act 3. Yeah. Death Angel Act 3 was actually the first Death Angel album I had. So I know it's like their classic one. It's it's it's, it's among their classic yeah. ones. So. Considered one of the, the top ones for them. Yeah. And then last but not least, this past Friday, uh, you listened to some Iron Mask, Fifth Son of Winter Doom. Yeah. And I listened to the self-titled uh, album from Beyond Fear, which you got from the from that from Docs, yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I that's what I did is I had a, a pile of uh, CDs on my table mm-hmm. from stuff that you gave me, um, stuff that I bought, you know, just random stuff that's not put away yet. And I decided to just take those and put I put the stack by the front door. And then every day I was going to work, I just grab one mm-hmm. and I put it in the car. Gotcha. So. That's how some of these came up. Gotcha. Makes but, sense. Yeah, that was that was our albums of the day. And then what else have you been listening to? Uh, let's see. I mean, not I love my, that shirt, by the way. Oh my 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 sweet Pulp Fiction slash Mega Man shirt. Yeah, that is fucking classy. I love I love this shirt. <laughs> when I when I go on to to tmagnet dot com, um, which is basically it's kind of a conglomeration of, of various sites that do the, the custom t-shirts like uh-huh. this where they they cross the two different the two different things in pop culture it basically it's one of those things where it's like if i see it and i say i have to have that like i'll get it some some i'll sit there and be like that's cool but but there's some that i sit there and go i have to have that and this is one that i said i have to have I mean, that's a great that's a great fucking shirt yeah so um my uh, my other my other Mega Man shirt is uh, running and gunning since 1987. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, what else have I been listening to? I haven't listened to very much just because like I've been I've been home and a lot of my day is spent um, because of my new my new task. Uh, a lot of my day is spent um, with a, a headset on and I'm doing I'm doing phone calls and stuff. Um, so I usually try to listen to music in between. Um, but I haven't done much with the A to Z run. Uh, I, I'm still. I, I, I've, the last thing I did was the Anacrusis album, um, uh, Screams and Whispers. 
um, and I listened to some of the Testament album um, again. You know, I didn't want to sit there and put that as a as a um, album of the day. I, yeah, I didn't want to put it as an album of the day again. Yeah, because I know, did. It. Yeah, because you had already done it, and, and now it just kind of seemed like overkill. Ha, jokes. Uh, ha, 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 thrash metal jokes. Yes. Um, but it would it would just seem like a little bit too much to do it twice. Um, but, you know, the, when I'm, if, if, I, if I'm in the car for a brief second, it's, it's usually something, something fun to pass the time. You know, the electric six is always a thing. Um, yeah. It's it's just been it's been hard to kind of sit down and just listen to something in the last in the last two weeks. I got you. So what about you? Um, Devin Townsend's podcast. Okay. He's he uh, part of his quarantine inability to sit down and do nothing. Um, he started recording a podcast, and each podcast is centered around an album that he's recorded. Mm-hmm. He started doing he started with Ocean Machine, going into City from Strapping Young Lad. Um, Infinity physicist, and right now I'm listening to the one about Terrio. And a lot of these albums I've never listened to, yeah, because I because I didn't get into Devin Townsend really. Like uh, we saw him as a Devin Townsend band when he opened up for Symphony X, but I did not really get into Devin Townsend until the Devin Townsend project. Yeah, Uh, so I really was not familiar with a lot of his back catalog. Yeah, he's 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 got a lot of stuff between between Strapping Young Lead. Devin Townsend, Devin Townsend Project, Devin Townsend Band, and Devin Townsend Alone. Yeah. Like, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So, um, um, so of course, after listening to some of the podcasts, I, I just made a playlist on my on my Spotify of all the stuff I do not have. Mm. And I just put that on shuffle. And I also followed that up with the one album he did with Steve Vai, Sex and Religion, mm-hmm. uh, which is also quite good. Um, so... There was just a lot of catch up with Devin Townsend, uh, after, especially after listening to his podcast. His podcast is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, each episode is about an hour and forty five minutes long, uh, and it's it's really him just talking, like we do. But he's talking about the recording process and his mental state while recording these particular albums. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good insight to who he was at the time and what led to each record following yeah and, and and with it you know talking about his mental state i know he's, he's been diagnosed with bipolar before, yes so yes that, he that's, that, he, was, he be... spent time in psych, psychiatric institution and stuff like that yeah, so yeah so. he was he was in a very dark place and it's very interesting to hear about that and how that reflected into the music and how it affected him going forward yeah so, so uh, it's a very good podcast i highly recommend it yeah and i've never listened to a podcast before <laughs> Not even our own. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't listen to our own podcast. <laughs> so it's it was it was definitely an experience to 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 listen to somebody just talking. Like I've, you know, uh, Brandy listens to like true crime podcasts and all these other podcasts, and I've kind of listened in a little bit, but I've never actually actively listened to something I wanted to listen to before. And this is it was definitely an experience. Yeah, so. I, I I don't listen to to any podcasts because like, again, it's a matter of, of timing. It's having that time to listen to something consistently, and I'm already having a hard enough time listening to music. Um, but like the only other podcast I ever listened to was the the one done by the guys at the One Up Cup, uh-huh, which uh-huh. Was, which was a lot of fun. Um, I, I I thought they restarted it. I don't know if they still do it or not, but um, but yeah. Um, you know, podcasts depending on uh, on the topic can be can be good, and and the, the the great thing about it is that it's one of those things that that anyone can really do. Oh yeah, so oh, yeah. There's no shortage of podcasts out there that you can listen to. You can no. find something that you would like. Yeah, absolutely. 
Although everyone should like ours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spread the word, all two of you. Dad, Randy. <laughs> all right. Are we ready to continue on here? Uh, yes. All uh, right. So I guess we're going into obituaries? Yes. All right. So this one is a little convoluted, so hear me out here. Okay. All right. So according to a post on the official Facebook fan page of Nightwish bassist vocalist Marco Hitala. So this is Marco's Facebook fan page. Not even Marco himself. All right. Anyway, so his former Nightwish singer Annette Olsen, she revealed on her Instagram page that her father recently died of complications from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, this information was corroborated by a post on the Annette Olsen Gallery Facebook page, and no further details are currently available. After I read this, I tried to go find Annette's Instagram page, and I could not. So I don't know what the post was about or whether that actually happened, but apparently this is her father passed away from complications of COVID-19. Okay. So that's that's what the deal is here. So, that, so, so right now we're, we're not even wholly sure if that's true or not. I'm not wholly sure because, again, I haven't seen the post, but I think, like I said, it's been corroborated by multiple sources. Okay. So, But that's it. <laughs> okay. That's the only obituary thing. Oh, well, that's, that's a plus, yeah. all things considered. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we're going into some general news here. You ready? Yep. All right, so Henry Rollins has launched The Cool Quarantine, an online radio show for K... CRW. The first episode, which went live, uh, I think two Tuesdays ago, uh, includes live bootlegs of the cramps recorded by Ian McKay, a story about the time Henry and Ian saw Led Zeppelin in 1977, plus a bootleg recording from that particular performance, audio from original Joy Division album pressings, stories about the early days of Black Flag and Discord Records, and more, according to the press announcement. That sounds like fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, and, and we said this is like, you said it was it was a podcast? Or? A radio show. Radio show. Online I mean, radio show. I mean, considering that, that Henry Rollins is already a, a stand-up comedian uh, slash just general speaker. Yeah. You know, that's, that sounds like something that would be interesting to listen into. So. I also like listening to him talk. Yeah. He has a very good cadence to the way he talks. Yeah. All right. So Metallica's Now That We're Dead serves as the entrance and exit theme. For The Undertaker during um, WrestleMania on Saturday, April 4th, in the uh, Boneyard Magic as AJ Styles. Which, regardless of whether or not you liked that song or whether or not you liked Latter-day Metallica, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> that match was was great. The match was great, and the fact that they used the song, you know, Now That We're Dead, you yeah. know, for The Dead Man. Yeah, I know. Like, and especially because it, it was his biker gimmick all yeah. up in up yeah. it again. It was great. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was fucking great. Yeah, visually, the whole thing was fantastic. And I just came across something today that I just thought about. As I was cracking eggs into my Undertaker mug yeah. to, 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 to spin them up. Uh, Brandy bought you an AJ Styles mug yeah. and me an Undertaker mug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she broke my AJ Styles mug. <laughs> no, she predicted the, the fucking WrestleMania match. That's what it is. She predicted it. <laughs> she got it just right. <laughs> All right. So, Vinnie Paul Abbott's long-awaited cookbook will receive a posthumous release. Um, his longtime girlfriend has confirmed. Speaking out publicly for the first time since he passed away, Chelsea Yeager told Metal Pulp and Paper in a new interview, Vinny's cookbook that he titled Drumming Up an Appetite with Vinnie Paul is in the works. There are over 120 recipes that are saved and pictures to follow that will be in the cookbook as well. Uh, not sure on exact date when it will be released, but it will be done. You know, thinking of it now, 
that's another great idea for a show that we do. Get a, get any sort of cookbooks for many bands and try and try out, and try, out to try to make the recipes. not a bad idea. Kind of like a like a nailed it kind of thing. Like so, a what? Like a nailed it kind of thing. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I got, it. I got you. So that that, gotcha. that may be an idea for the future. Um, patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I mean, I'm sure he has uh, Vinnie Paul. I think he was a he was a wings kind of guy. So I think there's there probably at least one or two wing w- recipes in that book that I'm, we can definitely try out. I'm fine with that. We have. I we, figure, we, I know you would be trying. I would totally be all about yeah. that shit. So. All right, one more thing for some general news here, right? Yep. All right, Five Finger Death Punch has launched the first episode of its Quarantine Theater 2020 series. Taking inspiration from Mystery Science Theater 3000, it features Ivan Moody, guitarist of Zoltan, uh, Zoltan Bathory, and bassist Chris Kale, offering commentary of the band's past music videos. King off the series is the clip for Under and Over It, with new episodes set to follow every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. According to the band... Quarantine Theater 2020 will consist of uh, tell-all, behind-the-scenes, never-before-told stories of the making and meaning of Five Finger Death Punch's music videos. Yeah, I've kind of wanted to do that kind of stuff with some of our our, our stuff, our videos. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can make fun of ourselves? Yeah, pretty much. I, 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 that'd be hilarious. Yeah, so I, that, that may be an idea, another idea for us, So, um, but we'll see. Uh, All right. Are you ready for some... Not spreading the disease. Yes, go for it. All right. So starting off, Dr. Ezekiel Zeke Emanuel, one of the key architects of the Affordable Care Act and a special advisor to the Director General of the World Health Organization, told the New York Times that he doesn't anticipate it to be safe to return to concerts, sporting events, or other mass public gatherings for another 18 months. Jesus. 18 months. That takes us well into 21 2021. Mm-hmm. 18 months. All right. In the same vein here, California Governor Gavin Newsom has thrown cold water on anyone hoping to attend a concert, music festival, or sporting event anytime soon. During a press conference on April 14th, Newsom indicated there is no specific timeline for modifying restrictions that have been placed um, in response to the coronavirus outbreak. But said concerts and mass gathering events are the last things to go back to normal. As how he envisions the summer months and traditional holiday celebrations like 4th of July and Memorial Day, Newsom said the prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best until we get to herd immunity and we get to a vaccine. So, large-scale events that bring in hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of strangers all together across every conceivable difference, health and otherwise, is not in the cards based upon our current guidelines and current expectations. Acknowledging that conditions can change radically, Newsom added, when he suggests June, July, and August, it is unlikely. Okay, so there goes my there goes my Corn Feet in the Moor show and potentially my Ramstein show. Yeah, Ramstein has issued a statement uh, saying that they are working on solutions for their their summer fall tour, yeah. but of course nothing has been has been announced yet. Well, I mean, considering it's Ramstein. And I'm pretty sure the president has said that that heat does kill does kill this virus, and their whole show is fire. <laughs> I think I think we're safe. <laughs> All right. So, rock music festivals such as Rock M Ring, Rock M Park, and Wacken Open Air appear to be in jeopardy after the German federal government banned all major events in the country due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
German Chancellor Angela Merkel announced tentative steps to slowly start returning the country to normal, explaining that no large events such as soccer matches, concerts, and festivals will be allowed before the end of August at the earliest. This comes in addition to personal lockdown, which has been extended through May 3rd. Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, and Bakken are scheduled to take place June, uh, June 5th through the 7th, July 30th to August 1st, respectively. Later on, this summer's German rock festivals, including Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, Bakken, and Bangerhead, have been canceled after the German federal government banned all major events in the country due to, to the COVID-19 pandemic. That sucks. Cause, yeah, cause that's a big festival. That's a big fucking deal. That's that's. I that's, mean, usually, I mean, hell, I mean, they probably already have the lineup for twenty twenty one already. Yeah, but fuck. Yeah, which which I kind of feel bad because because I know that um you know every year they have the battle for Vakken. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, I'm sure like whatever band was getting close to winning or potentially won, it's like oh, balls! You just lost your chance. Fuck that. That's that's Throw pretty over harsh. Again. So I feel bad. All right, this summer's NAM show, which was scheduled to take place July 9th through the 11th in Nashville, has been canceled due to the coronavirus. Symphony X has been forced to postpone their previously announced 25th anniversary North American tour due to the coronavirus. The 28-day trek, which was originally scheduled to kick off in Inglewood, New Jersey on May 14th and conclude on June 17th at the Masquerade in Atlanta, will now take place in 2021. Support on the trek will still come from Primal Fear and Firewind. Yes! So, hopefully, when they reschedule it next year, it'll be on a day I can go. Yeah, because because seriously, if, it, it, it would be awesome again to see Symphony X and uh, Primal Fear is fucking badass. And uh, Firewind, I'm not as familiar with, but I know that they're badass too. Yeah. So. All right. This year's edition of the Rocklahoma Festival has been canceled. Of course. The event, which was scheduled to take place May 20. Uh, May 27th through the 24th is expected to return next year. Iron Maiden has been forced to cancel his previously announced Japanese tour due to the coronavirus. According to Glenn Danzig, his previously announced live shows in California will be rescheduled for either late June or July. Probably not considering what we just read from the California fucking governor, but uh, his concerts in San Francisco on April 17th and Los Angeles on April 22nd were intended to promote his long-awaited Elvis uh, collection of Elvis Presley covers, appropriately titled Danzig Sings Elvis, which is due out this past Friday. Well, you know, everyone can, can postpone their shows and play in, play in Florida. They're open. Yeah. Fuckers. Uh, Sully Erna says that Godsmack has decided against scheduling any tour dates this year while the world is trying to fight and emerge victorious against the deadly COVID-19. Smart. Aerosmith's Deuces Are Wild Las Vegas Residency performances scheduled for May 20th through June 4th at the Park Theater are being rescheduled in the wake of the coronavirus. Guests are advised to hold on to their tickets as they will be honored for the rescheduled dates, and those details will be sent out as soon as possible. Yeah. Don't hold your breath in the meantime. Yep. According to BBC UK's Download Festival, which was scheduled, which was canceled this year due to the coronavirus pandemic, will be transformed into a, quote, a virtual festival. Okay. The 2020 edition of, Fe- of Download was set to take place on June 12th to 14th at Castle Donington with headline performances by Iron Maiden, Kiss, and System of a Down. Saying they didn't want to miss out on the biggest weekend in rock, the festival organizers will now stream music, interviews, and previously unseen performances on those dates instead. The virtual festival will be streamed across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. 
Or is that it for spreading that the disease? That is it for not spreading the disease. Okay, so with that, we're actually going to we're gonna work this into into two things. Um, we're going we're gonna to say, one, that it's going to be uh, just a little bit of, of news and places that people can get uh, their, their, their uh, virtual performances going. Because uh, Loudwire released a list of... Um, of place of stuff that's happening as far as um, online virtual performances in the in the, in the face of this uh, coronavirus ha- uh, happening. Um, so, if people are you know you know really itching to see some live stuff and some some entertainment in the meantime, um, you got stuff like uh, Metallica Mondays. We talked about that one. Um, Metallica will stream a previously recorded concert performance on their Facebook page and YouTube channel. Um, every single Monday, um, Notfest weekly live streams will occur. Um, Notfest website will stream a live performance from their favorite metal bands every Friday. Oh, wow. uh, so far, they've aired sets by Lamb of God and Megadeth. Wow! Uh, which both feature live chats with members of the band. That's fucking great. Um, Napalm Records have the Napalm Sofa series, uh, which will host uh, several member several bands on their uh, series, which will take place in the form of live streams on their Facebook page. Um, they haven't. Uh, there are no uh, specific details just yet, but they are planning to do it soon. Uh, Wiretap Records have announced a month-long series for the quarantine, dubbed the Wiretap Records Family Vacation Live Stream Series, which kicks off on Friday, April 10th, so a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like to find out who who is performing, you got to join the group. Um, <clears throat> April 17th, it looks like Behemoth uh, was uh, streamed on NotFest's website. Their live performance in Warsaw uh, on Friday, April was was, was streamed on Friday, April seventeenth. Um, included a live video introduction from Miracle, as well as a live chat with Orion during the stream. Wow! Um, Every time I die will premiere. Um, uh, um, they did a, they did a, a stream on YouTube, on YouTube at, on April seventeenth. Um, I'm sure a lot of this stuff, as far as what was streamed, is still available to be viewed. Because oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of this is, is, you know, this this list came up probably two, three weeks ago. This is why why a lot of the dates are coming up in the past. So. Yeah. Um, April 17th, Dave Ellison's Youth Music, Pro, uh, music Pro Foundation will t- uh, team with the Grammy Music Education Coalition to host Makeup Test Live event, which is a follow-up to Dave Ellison's Oh Say You Can Stream. Um, it'll feature appearances and performances from members of Megadeth, Korn, Twisted Sister, Limp Bizkit, Alter Bridge, and more. Oh, so, we actually talk about that later on, yeah. Yeah, so that'll, that, that's been posted. Um, Devin Townsend has announced that he will stream a live concert three Saturdays in a row on Stage It. Beginning on April 18th, so that was yesterday. Yeah, I saw part of that already. Okay. It's, it's, it's him, his guitar, uh, some backing tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw like the, he opens up with, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. Yeah. So so it's it starts it started uh, yesterday, April 18th. Uh, it's going to happen again April 25th and May 2nd. Uh, proceeds from each night will go to separate charities. Um, so April 24th and 25th. Uh, Loop TV will be doing a music festival. Um, it'll be two-day music, a virtual music festival featuring the Struts and more. Donations will go toward Music Cares and other organizations to benefit COVID-19 relief. Uh, relief. Um, 
let's see. I'm trying to find ones that, that are a little bit more in, in the okay. future. Yeah, or, or at least a little bit more in our, in our vein. So, uh, April 27th, Trivium will stream a, a virtual in-store performance on the, um, on, the tw on the 27th at 3 o'clock on their website. Um, let's see. And I think that is pretty much it for the list. So a, l a couple of places. I know a lot more are happening um, and are, are going to be coming up um, as far as these virtual performances go. And I think going into – we're going to cut right into things I want, which is I want more of this. Yeah. Because I think this is great stuff. Yeah. I, I, and I think as, as we sh I think what's going to be really interesting is as restrictions get lifted and they might not be able to do uh, full-on – uh, live performances, like in big stages and whatnot, at least more members of the bands can get together mm -hmm. uh, and do shows. Yeah, because um, we talked about on the last podcast. I think it was Omnium Gatherum and Insomnium was supposed to do a show like that. Yeah, unfortunately, they had issues with their streaming service, so it was recorded and then and then uh, streamed. Yeah. Um, but what I'm thinking of is that a lot of these bands, a lot of people are doing like um, like separate things, like doing like Zoom chat type things, yeah. performing at the same time in like mm -hmm. their separate living rooms. But if we can get all of them together in like a room to perform, I think that'd be really cool too. Yeah. Kind of like the performance center with with the WWE right now and all yeah. that good shit. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, even um, Lindsay, who's just passing by. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay uh, was actually watching uh, one of the recent episodes of Saturday Night Live, and they did everything over the the internet. Oh, that's they, great. Yeah. To to continue the show, they did everything through like you know they they made a lot of their jokes based on things that are going on as far as. Um, as the virus goes, doing things through through Zoom and and doing pre recorded stuff and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. So so they they did a lot of that to keep to keep things going, and it was hosted by Tom Hanks, who you know, you know had the coronavirus, who had it, and who is uh, apparently getting better from it. You know, and so it's, that's a good kind of poster childish uh, thing to do. So yeah, um, yeah, but that's something that I, w I would like more of in this time because like if it's going to happen if it's, if this is going to be the case for uh, an extended period of time like this is the way that things should be going and I also would like to see it go beyond that like if even if, like when concerts do start up bands can still do something like this yeah you know they don't necessarily have to go on tour uh, like every fucking time I mean if they're re in between touring cycles they can do like these one off shows on the internet yeah I don't see a reason why not yeah yeah, so it's it's definitely. I feel like this will this will change up a few things, and it will it'll hopefully make you know um, interaction with with the audience a lot better. So what I what I've really appreciated, and it's not just in the music industry, is how innovative a lot of things and a lot of people have been in the wake of this. Yeah. Uh, specifically, um, like we talk about music industry, but uh, education. Uh, a lot of people have. Like from elementary all the way up to colleges has switched to mostly online or distance learning, yeah. and they did it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Like it was so quick and so fast. Yes, of course there were glitches on something like that, but from from what I've been hearing, it has been very very positive. Yeah. So it it, it looks very bright for the future of, of what can be done later on after all this is over. Yeah. Um, and quick thing for for my second. Uh, thing I want, so just just because I thought about it a little bit earlier, um, I want more re-releases of things. Um, by by that I mean like things that are out of print. Oh, okay, like, gotcha. Like I want, I, it's like 
there's one in particular that I always think of that's really hard to come by, um, and that's Celtic Frost Cold Lake. Uh-huh. Now, uh, I know that Tom Warrior is pretty much like embarrassed by the album because like they they kind of went in a more glam route, so he doesn't he doesn't want anything to do with that. Uh-huh. Like, just stay away from it. But just re-release it. <laughs> <laughs> Get over yourself. I, I, I want that kind of I want that kind of you know I, I want I'm a, I'm a I'm a completionist. I like to hear a little bit of everything. I like to hear where everyone was at at, at, at certain times of their career and everything like that. So they like you know just just re-release that kind of material. Um, as, and the same thing with with um, the Anacrusis albums. The first two were not available on CD for a while they, because you know it, it was. It was that long ago. They were vinyl and cassette and everything, and then they got re-released on CD, and I was able to pick them up. So I was like, "Yay, great, phenomenal!" You know, these these kind of re re reissues, like I really like having, and especially because they add bonus tracks and stuff like that. And they they'll add tracks from various demos and whatnot. Same thing with Armored Saint. A lot of their stuff was hard to come by for a long time, uh-huh. um, and they re-released. They, uh, although they released an album of like a lot of a lot of older stuff, um, they released their their old albums um, with some added material, some extra demos and, and stuff like that. So, um, one of my favorites from them, um, it wasn't necessarily unreleased, but they reissued their uh, Symbol of Salvation album um, as a three disc thing, um, and the second disc was pretty much demos of the entire album. So I was like, okay, like more stuff like that would be like super badass. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I just want bands who have out of print material to, to have it available to, to the fans who actually do want it. So, um, oh, and one thing going back to um, our, our previous thing about uh, the virtual streaming stuff, the band I forgot was uh, Electric Six. No, oh. not, not metal, but Electric Six has been posting stuff that has been basically like bootleg material um, on their SoundCloud. Okay. So they're doing it uh, on, on a weekly basis, just posting some material of of live live material, some stuff with the with the band themselves, and just trying to put out material while while in the face of quarantine. So, but that kind of stuff, again, that kind of stuff is cool. Um, Bands that are okay with bootleg material, uh, you know, always, always make me happy. So, yeah, the band, the, the bands like you know, like, like Pearl Jam and the Grateful Dead and, and so on and so forth. Uh, even Metallica to the point where like I think they record almost all of their concerts and like you can get almost every single one of their concerts from their website. Yeah, I mean it's not bootleg, but I mean it's, I mean they're providing it. Yeah, you know, so because uh, you know I I think it's more of the bands who, who like change their set list every night that offer that sort of thing. Yeah. Like Pearl Jam probably changes their set list every night. Metallica changes their set list almost every single night. Yeah. Um, Grateful Dead definitely does. Yeah. You know, bands like that, they they know each concert special. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, Iron Maiden, they play the same set list every single time you see them yeah. on a particular tour. So it's not as special. Mm. But it's it's still okay. No, I know. I, I but what I'm getting at is that at each concert, it's its own experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, for us, when we see Iron Maiden, each concert is the same set list, but 
something happens in each concept that makes it different. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, that, that hasn't... That, that, that hasn't that, happened recently, no. Yeah, that hasn't happened in the last... That's because we haven't seen it multiple times in a row on the same tour. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't had, like, you know, beers falling on the soundboard. Or the or, power going off to the, the main stage. Yeah, or that, or, or... Or Eddie not showing up. Playing soccer on stage. <laughs> you know, we haven't the seen no, any no of that. No mysterious bus rides with Terry Bradshaw mocking us the entire way home. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. so... Yeah, uh, nothing like that. All right, are you ready? I'm I'm ready to move along. Okay, so we don't have anything for the Motley Crue inspired title. Oh, no. Doctor Field, not so good. Uh, well, that's that's a positive thing again, considering all yeah. all the shit. But we have some stuff for I'm getting better. I think I'll go for a walk. All right, Death Angel drummer Will Carroll has returned home after spending almost two weeks on a ventilator in an intensive care unit at a Northern California hospital due to the coronavirus. Apparently he was also in a coma. Oh, wow. Yeah, he Shit. got it bad. Uh, and then former Exodus singer Rob Dukes says that he is recovering after testing positive for COVID-19. Uh, Dukes, who fronted Exodus for nine years, believes he contracted the disease after attending an overkill concert in Phoenix on March 1st. Yeah. All right, so no one's breaking the law. Yet. For now, uh, although uh, well, let me t- let me tell you a little story. Oh shit! So uh, obviously we have we have rallies going on for the lockdown against the lockdowns that are happening and everything like that. So I'm pretty sure that my my uh, one of my cats has has uh, picked a political side because um, I had one mask uh, brought home from work. And uh, the little bastard chewed through the ear. Oh, ear strap. I, I wonder who that was. Yeah, I wonder who that was. Dick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that that was Edward the Great. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Dick. So so he, he he he's decided that that he's done with quarantine. He wants us to go back to work. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> You bastard! Yeah, he's 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 staging his own his own little <laughs> rally right now. He's such a dick. All right, Metallica isn't breaking shit recently, uh, so we're going to go right into Fifutin. Okay. All right, so I got one topic, three updates. Oh, God. All right, so we start off right off the bat here. Ticketing Company, Ticketmaster, has drawn the ear of some music fans for recently adjusting the language on its website regarding refund policies. According to the New York Times, a few weeks ago, before the coronavirus outbreak forced the cancellation or postponement of large events and public gatherings... It said, people can get refunds, quote, if your event is postponed, rescheduled, or canceled. That was a couple weeks ago. Now, it lists only cancellation as a reason for getting your money back. Though, it suggests there may be other circumstances in which refunds might be considered. A Ticketmaster representative told Polestar at the end of March that the company has not made any changes to its refund policy in light of COVID-19. Ticketmaster's policy is still to refund all canceled events within 30 days, but postponed or delayed events may not offer refunds as an option. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. According to the New York Times, music promoter AEG Presents will offer ticket holders a 30-day window to get refunds on events that may have been postponed due to the coronavirus. The window begins May 1st and will be available only for ticket holders whose shows have been postponed and rescheduled. If a show has been postponed with no new date, ticket holders will get 30 days to request a refund once the new date has been announced. 
Live Nation, the world's largest live entertainment company and AEG's chief competitor, has promised an arrangement similar to this. Okay. Last but not least here, ticketing company Ticketmaster has announced it will issue refunds for more than 18,000 events postponed due to the coronavirus. According to Billboard, starting May 1st, once postponed shows announced the rescheduled dates, fans will begin to receive emails from Ticketmaster to initiate a full refund. Fans will then have 30 days to request a refund. Otherwise, their ticket will be good for the rescheduled date. Live Nation Nation Entertainment, the global concert giant that owns Ticketmaster, will also offer fans an option to receive credit for future shows, as well as the opportunity to donate their tickets. Wow. I knew about the Ticketmaster one. Um, And currently, like, I I have two two shows, tickets to two shows, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that those shows just get post, uh, like you know, postponed or whatever, um, and I don't run into any issues there. But we'll guess we'll see when when they get officially anything. Anything. <laughs> I so. mean, that's a, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, because they have, there's been no word about them yet. Because so. I mean, uh, we we've talked about this before. Is like some of these shows that were scheduled for like March and April are already getting rescheduled, but people are not even suggesting that things happen. Like, was rescheduling too fucking soon? And I think it was. I honestly think that like they they had a the the Killswitch Engage uh, show. Not, yeah, no, actually, no, I'm sorry. There was a show, Animal's Leaders and, and Dance Gavin Dance that was supposed to happen in March, and they rescheduled for August. I got excited because it's on a Saturday. I can go, yeah. but it doesn't look like that's going to be able to happen anytime soon. You know, so like I, I think rescheduling things are is just it's just too it's too early. Yeah. To start rescheduling things. I think you have to cancel everything and just fucking give people their goddamn money back. Yeah. I know one band in particular, I can't remember who it was, um, but they specifically said, we are canceling these shows so you can get your money back, so you can have money for this whole situation. I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. You know, I know I know the concert industry is probably losing billions and billions of dollars, but, you know, fucking, wow. That's fucked up. Yeah. All right, last but not least here in the feuding section, attorneys representing Ross Valerie, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame musician and bass player for the iconic rock band Journey, filed a cross-complaint in Contra Costa County uh, Superior Court on April 6th against Journey guitarist Neil Shorn and keyboardist uh, Jonathan Kane. Excuse me. The cross-complaint attaches, quote, evidence that refutes the the, uh, allegations uh, that Shorn and uh, Kane set forth. uh, And this one sets forth multiple causes of action for monetary damages against Sean and Kane for the ramifications of their conduct in trying to wrongfully excise Valerie from the band. Mm-hmm. So, just more legal shit. More legal shit with Journey. Remember, music is a business. And yeah. business is backstabbing. Business is barely happening at this point. For sure. So. For sure. All right, that's it for feuding. Okay. You ready for some alcoholica? Alcoholica. Ironically, this is actually non-alcoholica. Check this out. Okay. Scottish craft brewer Brewdog and American heavy metal band Lamb of God have announced the release of the world's first non-alcoholic collaboration beer, Ghost Walker. As of today, the beer is available in Brewdog's online shop for shipping anywhere in the world. The beer is named after one of the band's most popular songs, Ghost Walking, from their 2012 album Resolution. Lamb of God vocalist Randy Blythe wrote the lyrics as he started his journey toward an alcohol-free lifestyle. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's something I can try. Yeah. Finally. 
There we go. <laughs> That's something I can do. As a matter of fact, we should put that on the list of Shrek try stuff. Yeah, we all well, we have a we have a growing list at this point. So that that uh that coffee from the Ripper sounds pretty good. Yeah, dark roast though, but you know we'll get I mean, that. that. That's 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 yeah for me, but you know we'll see. All right, ready for some merchandising? Merchandising. All right, Canis Collars has announced a new lineup of branded dog collars featuring designs from legendary heavy metal bands Motley Crue, Butterhead, and Slayer. The latest designs add to their growing collection of branded pet accessories, which already include Judas Priest, Misfits, and Sick of It All. Wow. That's a... Random. That's <laughs> random. All right. Z Productions will release two classic Def Leppard album covers, Hysteria and Paranoia, uh, Pyromania, sorry, and four classic Kiss album covers, Rock and Roll Over, Destroyer, Love Gun, and Dynasty, as a 500-piece Jigsaws in April. So that's probably very soon. I actually saw that uh, Looney Tunes back in New York actually has the the puzzles on sale. I oh, was nice! So I was so jealous. <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit! I want those so bad." All right, last but not least, here from merchandising, we got the popular collectible company Funko has released one of its latest artist collaborations with Slayer. Figures of Tom Mariah, Kerry King, and Jeff Hanneman are now available from the official Slayer web store. No, no, no Paul Blostoff, no Dave Lombardo. No drummer. They don't have a drummer. Uh, <laughs> really? That's, that's kind that's of rough. That's kind of bitter. Yeah, yeah that, a little that's, that's, pr- that's pretty rough. All right, but that's it for merchandising. Okay. All right, ready for some recording news? If there is any of this. Uh, there's, there's plenty. Okay. There's plenty. All right, ex the Runaway singer Sherry Curry has set an April twenty eighth digital release date for Boulevards of Splendor, her latest solo project, via Blackheart Records. The LP features guest collaborations with Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins, Slash, and Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, as well as Juliet Lewis, Brody Dale, the Veronicas, and ex Guns N' Roses and Velvet Revolver drummer Matt Sorum, who also produced the set. Cool. Napalm Death bassist Shane Embury has launched a new ambient project called Dark Sky Burial. Dark Sky Burial's debut album, De Omnibus Dubitam, I'm going to stay with that. Um, anyway, that was released on Tuesday, April 7th. I tried looking for it on Spotify, couldn't find it. Okay. All right. I have, di- I have written here, The Sword Will Release Some Shit. <laughs> Read direct from the article. Here we go. So I'm reading directly from the article here. So this is beyond copy and paste. It's just literally, literally me reading. Okay. All right. It's been two years since the sword decided to take a break, but the Austin, Texas heavy rockers are um, are unsheathed once more. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Oh wow. Oh yeah, unsheathed. Well, they are. So- okay. <sighs> just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, Dan. All right. Two career-spanning collections will be released simultaneously, both showcasing the, te- the technically dazzling, riff-heavy, and far-reaching metal that the band has been known for f- since forming 15 years ago. All right. So the first one, Conquest of Kingdoms, an explosive three-disc vinyl collection of rarities and oddities, offer 30 tracks, 16 previously unreleased, and is housed in a triple gate. Uh, in a triple gatefold package, including B-sides, oddities, and live recordings of fan favorites like Freya, Iron Swan, and Fire, La- uh, Fire Lances of the Ancient Hyperzephyrians. As well as cover versions of Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, Nasty Dogs and Funky Kings by ZZ Top, She by Kiss, 
and Forever My Queen by Pentagram. A truncated digital version will also be available. In addition, the standard vinyl release, a limited edition color variant, 1,000 pressings worldwide, will be available exclusively via the swordofficial.com, craftrecordings.com, as well as independent retailers. The other one, Chronology, 2006-2018, is a three-disc CD com- compendium, which, in addition to the aforementioned rarities, also includes the Sword's greatest hits and fan favorites. Distilling the band's complete discography, the collection comprises 52 tracks, 12 of which were previously unreleased, including the studio versions of Freya, Iron Swan, Cloak of Feathers, and Deadly Night- Nightshade. The set also features expensive new liner notes with contributions from the band, plus large Ul- Lars Ulrich of Metallica, Mark Morton of Lamb of God, and Neil Fallon of Clutch. Both titles will be released on June 5th. <sighs> That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like and, I said, and, they recorded some shit. And what site is that from? Uh, okay, so theswordofficial.com craft ref- and craftrecordings.com. Uh, okay, I was going to say, because... Uh, if it's one of the news sites, they are—they're doing some 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 real dick sucking on that one. <laughs> Technically dazzling. Technically dazzling. All right, Steve Riley's version of Ellie Guns has set Renegades as the title of its debut album, due later in the year via Golden Robot Records. Golden Robot. The disc's first single, Crawl, will be made available on April twentieth. This version of Ellie Guns. Made its live debut last April, last May at the M3 Rock Festival. The drummer is joined in the group by Orlando, Florida-based guitarist vocalist Kirk Frolic, Froklick, uh, bassist Kelly Nichols, who was a member of LA Guns' classic incarnation, and guitarist Scott Griffin, who played bass for the band from 2007 until 2009, and then again from 2011 to 2014. So One original member and a bunch of higher guns yeah. for L.A. guns. Did you mean to make that joke? I did. Ah, you're such a... <laughs> I did. You just... I hate you. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you fucking don't. I'm just ripping out my leg hair so angry right now. <laughs> well, in that case, you're welcome. I could do a hairy bastard. <laughs> All right, ready? Yep. The, a seven-CD box set... The Bowie Years, exploring Iggy Pop's Berlin-era albums, is today, oh, was announced today for release on May 29th via UME. The box set features remastered versions of the Idiot Lust for Life live album, uh, TVI, and rare outtakes, alternate mixes, and a 40-page book. Lust for Life and the Idiot will also be released as standalone two CD deluxe editions with bonus live CDs on the same date. So it's called the Bowie Years because apparently at the time Iggy Pop was living in Berlin with Bowie and they recorded these two albums together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why it's called that. Okay. So I've I've never heard the albums personally. So of course we all we all heard the song Lust for Life. Yeah, I mean that's just like the most. But apparently these are like two of his most famous records. Okay. You know, and this is also his solo stuff. It's not with the Stooges. It's just Iggy Pop. Yeah. So, all right. Relapse Record is continuing with its Death Non-Analog On Stage series. The second installment, Death Non-Analog On Stage series, Chicago, Illinois, on April 28th, 1987, is available digitally right now. So this is one of those things that 
that could be added to the list of what Dan was talking about earlier about uh, where you can get your live fix. Uh, of course, these are all previously recorded um, death records, uh, death live performances, but they're there. Mm-hmm. All right, BPMD. This is the new heavy metal juggernaut featuring Bobby Blitz of Overkill, Mike Portnoy of Everything, bassist Mark Manihi of Metal Allegiance, and guitarist Phil Dummel of Violence, formerly of Machine Head. We released its debut album, American Made, on June 12th via Napalm Records. Now, I did not know this, but they are a cover band. Uh, the American Made track listing is Wang Dang Sweet Poon Tang from Ted Nugent, Toys in the Attic from Aerosmith, which is a great cover. I already listened to it. Very good. Uh, Evil by Cactus. Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers by ZZ Top. Saturday Night Special by Leonard Skinner. Tattoo Vampire by Blue Oyster Cult. DOA by Blood Rock. Walk Away by The James Gang. Never In My Life by Mountain. And We're an American Band by Grand Funk Railroad. Cool. I had no idea it was a cover, uh, cover act, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's always cool to hear, you know, bands like that, like just super groups doing doing cover material instead of just uh, in, instead of just doing um, original stuff. Because uh, we have we have plenty of original stuff. Let's let's yeah, between the four of them. Although although I, I sit here and and, and kind of lambast the the whole like big. You know, everyone goes and sees tribute bands and whatnot, but like, I like it when supergroups do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, especially because like it's also like a, a members of different bands, yeah, like very different. Like you know, Mike Portnoy, you know, the Dream Theater, Winery Dogs is completely different than like Overkill. Yeah, and it's definitely completely different than like fucking Machine Head and so on. So yeah, and violence. So. All right. Last but not least, here on May 29th, Earache. Earache Records will release Altars of Madness Ultimate Edition from Florida death metal veterans Morbid Angel. This essential, essential reissue, you know, goes in the whole, you know, essential worker area type of thing. Like, this is essential. Anyway, um, features not only the original classic album, but a second disc of uh, Juvenilia. Yeah, Juvenilia, uh, which is recorded live at Rock City November 1989. During the Grind Crusher Tour with Napalm Death, Carcass, and Bolt Thrower. Altars of Madness has been recreated using full dynamic range mastering. Pressed from the original master tapes giving the listener a more aggressive and dynamic audio experience. This Ultimate Edition Digipack includes uh, new 2020 artwork. As well as the fan favorite CD bonus track Lord of All Fevers and Plague. In full dynamic range for the very first time. The release also marks the very first time that the blistering live set has ever been available on CD. Woot. 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 Yeah. All right. We are into our one of our lengthier sections here of the good that men and women do. Uh, good. Ernie Ball, the world's leading manufacturer of premium guitar strap, uh, guitar strings, bass strings, and guitar accessories, has harmonized its string-making for musicians with something everyone needs these days, face masks, to assist during the coronavirus outbreak. The, car, uh, the guitar accessories plant located in Coachella has transformed a portion of its manufacturing facility to produce approximately 400 two-ply 100% cotton knit jersey masks every day to help meet the community's increased need. This comes on the heels of the Riverside County mandate that everyone wear facial protection while outside. The first several 
uh, runs of masks will be donated to the employees and clientels of Martha's Village and other Coachella Valley organizations. Yeah, I know that a lot of custom-made face masks are coming out. I know Iron Maiden has already got one out. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm pretty sure I saw one for, like, corn and, yeah. and shit like that. The Spurs have their own now Yeah, here in town. And, I mean, that's going to be... I mean, it's the Spurs one, I'm sure we're going to see a lot, considering that it's mandatory as of Monday to, to wear a mask around here. So. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we just ordered bandanas. So we're going to look like we're robbing a train at all times. I was going to say, like, <laughs> everyone's lo- go- going around looking like old-fashioned train robbers. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> all right, even before Dear Dario, the world's leading musical accessories company was forced to close its Dear Dario strings in Evans Drumhead factories in New York, they immediately began devising a way to use its engineering and manufacturing expertise to help alleviate the dire shortage of protective gear for New York and the nation's healthcare workers. Led by Chief Innovator, uh, Chief Innovation Officer Jim Diodario, the engineering team figured out they could fabricate protective face shields using the clear film from its popular Evans G2 drum heads. Working around the clock, three days later, the team had their first prototype. And since the company already produces physical therapy products through its FDA-approved uh, Dautonomy brand, they were able to work quickly on manufacturing and distribution solutions. The plan is to mass-produce the Dautonomy face shield in the Evans Farmingdale, New York um, uh, drumhead facility, utilizing American-made materials. Okay. Super, super cool. I didn't realize they had a place in Farmingdale. I knew that. I, I think that's why... Dad found that one package that was supposed to go to one of the Apathy brothers. Yeah. On the on the road that one day. Probably. Fell off a truck. Yeah, that that totally didn't end up in our hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't totally still have that or anything. Carmine, sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, on April on Saturday, April eleventh, which was last weekend, um, Dave Ellison. Youth Music Foundation, the nonprofit charity started by Dave Ellison, partnered with the Grammy. We already talked about some of this stuff. Uh, before. Yeah. Uh, so it was a live stream online fundraiser powered by Cisco website to raise money for Schools Out of Initiative, which provides online music lessons and instruments and gear to kids, aspiring musicians during quarantine and other COVID-19 relief charities. The event, which kicked off uh, at 3 p.m., was streamed on Grammy Music Education uh, Coalition's Twitch and Facebook, Dave Ellison's Facebook and YouTube channels, and Dave Ellison Youth Music Foundation's Facebook page. Uh, hosted by Ellison with partner and solo band vocalist Tom uh, Hazard. Oh Say Can You Stream features co-host, featured co-hosts Don Jameson and Jim Fortin, Craig Gass, Drew F- uh, Fortier, and Ricky Rackman. The nine-plus-hour marathon streaming fundraiser features appearance, uh, featured appearances and performances from artists and celebrities, including Alice Cooper, Charlie Benanti of Anthrax, Chris Kale of Five Finger Death Punch, Dick Verbium of Megadeth, Kiko Lareo of Megadeth, uh, Daryl MC McDaniels from Run to DMC, Frank Hannon from Tesla, Elias Soriano from Nonpoint, Drake Bell, PJ Farley, uh, a whole bunch of fucking people. We even got fucking Rob Caggiano from Volbeat, Alex Skolnick of Testament, uh, Carmine Apice, ironically enough, um, Carly Harvey of the Butcher Babies, Nita Strauss of Alice Cooper's band, and so many more. Uh, Ellison will also performed a remote acoustic set with his eponymous solo band featuring Italian guitarist and drummer Andy Martangeli, Mart- Martangeli? Yeah. and pa- Paolo uh, Caridi. Uh, the proceeds go into the Italian Red Cross COVID-19 relief efforts. 
Why not? So a lot of stuff that Dave Ellison's taking care of here. Kiss is selling a special stay-at-home T-shirt in support of Live Nation's Crew Nation Relief Fund. 100% of net profit generated from the purchase of the shirt will go directly to tour managers, production managers, riggers, and sound engineers, backline techs, lighting directors, and designers, special effects teams, carpenters, and more, so they can get through these difficult economic times. Good. Ozzy Osbourne is donating 10% of the profits from his tour merchandise to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, which is dedicated to finding a cure for Parkinson's disease through funded research and ensuring the development of improved therapies for those living with Parkinson's today. You know, I, was, I was sitting there and I, I, I kind of blanked out on the, on the reason why it would be Parkinson's and I was like, oh shit, right, Ozzy, Parkinson's. Alice Cooper and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts will perform at Cleveland Rocks from our living rooms. A benefit concert airing on Fox 8 WJW Wednesday, April 15th at 7 p.m., so it's already passed. The special will be presented with limited commercial interruption by Cross Mortgage, uh, Cross County Mortgage, Cross Country Mortgage, sorry. There will be a $50,000 match from members of the fund from uh, for viewers' donations during the show. <sighs> Moody's Medicinals. Incorporated, which is Five Finger Death Punches singers Ivan Moody's health and wellness innovator specializing in both cannabis oil and non-CBD health products, will donate thousands of his new CBD hand sanitizers to various veteran-led and veteran-serving charities across the country. In addition to the nonprofit giveaways, all Moody's Medicinals customers will receive a Moody's Medicinal CBD hand sanitizer for free with every purchase of the new Moody's Soothies lozenges. Moody's Soothies. All previously Moody's Medicinals uh, customers who have purchased products via their website will also receive a free CBD hand sanitizer spray. The sanitizers contain the CDC recommended 70% alcohol ingredient for sanitation and no THC. Continuing on here, it's April and we're halfway through Parkinson's Awareness Month, an effort designed to focus on education about the disease. Ozzy Osbourne, again, who revealed his Parkinson's diagnosis in January, is donating a portion, a portion of proceeds from his tour merchandise all month to keep memory alive to support enhanced treatment and ultimately cures for patients and their families suffering from neurocognitive disorders, including Parkinson's disease. So this is separate from his other donation to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Mm-hmm. Last but not least here, Les Zeppelin singer Robert Plant has donated several thousand pounds to help MG Sportswear keep supporting the United Kingdom's National Health Services during the coronavirus pandemic. Based in Kidderminster, MG Sportswear is making scrubs for workers on the front line of the coronavirus, coronavirus crisis. MG, which usually manufactures school um, uniforms for schools, sports teams, and airlines, was forced to halt production and furlough staff due to the COVID-19 crisis. There you have it. Good. <laughs> all sorts of good stuff happening because of all this bullshit. All right. We have nothing for crowdfunder. Uh, yeah, I don't have any follow-ups to the ones I've from before, so. Yeah. Devin Townsend well surpassed his goal, so we're good. Yeah. Um, shit I Want, you've already spoken about. Yep. Concert news, nothing for festivals, clearly. Uh, only one thing for touring here, and Machine Head has announced the rescheduled dates for its second European leg of the 25th anniversary tour of the band's classic debut album, Burn My Eyes. Don't hold your breath. Yeah. And one-offs here, Charlie Benanti of, uh, of Anthrax, Scott Ian of Anthrax, and Dan Lickler 
of uh, nuclear assault and ex-anthrax, have shared a quarantine version of the Stormtrooper of Death's instrumental song, March of the S.O.D., recorded with each member separated in their own homes. That's cool. That's cool. I've seen a lot of that, actually. Like I, I recently saw, I think it was Charlie Benanti, Alex Skolnick, and I forgot who the bassist was, but they did a, a their version of um, uh, La Via Strangiato by uh, Rush, mm. and it was very good. Nice. Okay. Uh, so oh, we... do we want to do the fucking charts? Do we even care? Uh, yeah, let's let's let's, let's do the charts real okay. quick. Uh, of course, number one hard rock album, Queen's greatest hits. You know that's just not going to change anytime soon. Yeah, anytime yeah, we, soon. The world needs a lot of Queen right now. So, all right. So let's do the top five. Okay, top five. Number one, After Hours by The Weeknd. Number two is a new album by a guy named Rod Wave. And his album is called Pray for Love. Dick Wave. <laughs> uh, little, little Uzi Vert. Number three, Eternal Attack. Attack. Whatever the fuck. Attack. Attack. I, I have no idea. Whatever. Uh, number four, Little Baby. My turn. <laughs> it's my turn. Um, and number five is a new album by Sam Hunt called Southside. Now, you scroll. Uh, the scrolling music. It's actually uh, that's that is the the offspring uh, um, intermission music, and I've been using that in all of my uh, my my recreational warfare videos. <laughs> intermission. All right, so Queen's greatest hits on the top two hundred is at number forty one. Number 41. Uh, Elton John's Diamonds is holding strong at number 49. Still in the top 50. August Burns Red. Their new record, Guardians, hit the charts at number 53. Nice. Entered. 53. Very cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Red. Their new album, Declaration, debuts on the top 200 at number 61. Did you talk about that one? I I listened to it. It wasn't impressed. <laughs> you sounded you sounded excited. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just I was surprised by the fact that it's, yeah, number 61 on the fucking charts here. Okay. Uh, Pearl Jam um, is down 61 points to uh, 66 with their new album um, Gigaton. It's not very good, so I'm just not surprised. Um, Beatles one is that number 69. Uh, there was a, a a recent passing of the singer Bill Withers. Um, I'm not I'm not rem- I don't remember specifically what he sang, but he passed away recently. His album Still Bill re-enters the charts at number seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac Rumors number seventy-eight, not going anywhere anytime soon. That one. Another re-entry from Bill Withers here, Just as I Am, is at number eighty-six. Journey's Greatest Hits is at number eighty-four. Ooh, here we go. Testament, Titans of Creation, number 96. So 96. That's new? Yeah. On the, on the... Yep, still new. Still new. Beatles, Abbey Road, number 111. 111 for Abbey Road. Okay. Leonard Skinner, 
Last of the Street Survivors Farewell Tour Live is a re-entry at number 121. Someone's trying to get their live fix any way they can. Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits at number 125. Back in Black, ACDC, 131. I thought that said Kid Rock. I'm like, what? That's Kid Crow. It's an album title. Ah, Ozzy Osbourne, Ordinary Man. Still on the charts at 145. Not bad. Not bad. Probably getting a lot of streams. Paying a lot of money to get a lot of streams. The Rolling Stones, Hot Rocks, 152. Metallica's Black Album is a re-entry at 157. Never going away. Never. We're not Chili Peppers' Greatest Hits, 163. I love the fact that there's a band called Her with the acronyms just like him. <laughs> so that's funny. I don't know if it's a band or a person. I don't know. But still, it's there. Uh, 167 with the Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Greatest hits. Greatest hits. Okay. Sounds of Summer. Beach Boys, 176. A new Monkeys Live album. Is that number fucking 78? Kids Bop, still a fucking thing. 177. Nirvana's Nevermind is at 180. Stevie Wonder, back on the charts with a definitive collection. Mm-hmm. 189, re entry. Re entry of Bon Jovi's greatest hits, 193. And that'll do it for us. Okay, so yeah. that was that was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, hey, 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 hey. We, we, got, we got some testament on there. Yeah, we, 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 we can did. win. We can win. We'll take that one. It's well, a, it, you know, it's in the top hundred. Okay. Top hundred. Okay. We can take that as a win. Okay. So it won't be tomorrow, but today's discussion is going to be kind of a, a little. It's going to be a discussion thing, like as far as like us really thinking about it, as um, you know, really putting our minds to it and thinking, uh, like how we did our. Um, are you looking at our meme for today? Yes, I am. <laughs> Um, but how, how we think of, remember how we, when we did the poster video, yes. which I still haven't fully finished, <clears throat> which is five years ago. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so we, when we did the poster video, a lot of the stuff that we had done were a lot of, you know, we had said were a lot of concessions based on, um, you know, what they meant to the time, uh-huh. uh, as far as that goes. So there's been a, um, there's been a, a list recently on, um, Loudwire, of the bands that pioneered heavy metal, um, and so I went. I, would ju- I just went through it real quick, and some of it, you know, I'm not fully aware of. So it's going to be kind of a learning experience for us, and it's going to be kind of an argumentative experience for us. So. Okay. And I got my Spotify ready to kind of queue up bands that I will need to reaffirm myself. Okay, so so the the, the first one you you don't really have to queue up because you you know them already. Um, first one they list is the Who. Really, the Who. Um, Is there a description as to why? Okay, so it says The Who, Heavy Metal. According to an interview Pete Townsend did with um, Toronto Sun, they sort of invented it with their 1970 live album, Live at Leeds. We were copied by so many bands, principally by Led Zeppelin, but, you know, heavy drums, heavy bass, heavy lead guitar, and some of those bands, like Jimi Hendrix, for example, did it far better than we did. So they, they kind of... 
uh, basically what he's saying is that we kind of laid the groundwork, and I feel like that's, that's what a lot of this list is going to be. Okay. It's laying okay. it's laying the groundwork for it. It's not necessarily going to be a lot of bands that we would normally. Is this like a band? Is it called like the list of like proto metal? Not even that. Okay. It, it, it's it's. I'll, I'll give you the, the actual list. 16 bands and musicians who are considered pioneers of heavy metal. Okay, okay. So okay. pioneers. But The Who. Um, now, I'm not a big Who fan. So. Well, I think it's, I can see where, 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 where like, the idea, com- like, I, I can see where Pete Townsend gets his idea from. Because mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact that, like, when when The Who and Led Zeppelin were at, were active at the same time there's a lot of comparisons between the two of them because you had the heavy drums you know you had bottom and you had fucking keith moon mm-hmm. you had the distorted guitars you had jimmy page and you had pete townsend and you had the blonde wailing frontman between roger daltrey and robert plant yeah you know they were almost identical yeah they were always identical but i think i think there was always a little bit more heavy swagger on the led zeppelin side mm-hmm. uh where um what's it called I think the Who called themselves something like Maxim or or R and B Overdrive or something like Overdrive R and B or something like that. Um, I think there was just a little bit more of a heaviness to Led Zeppelin, which is why they are considered more of the uh, the actual innovators of it at the time. Mm. But I can see where he's coming from. I get I get it. Yeah. I get it. I understand it. And like the, when you when you put it in that kind of context, you kind of have to agree. Yeah. You know, I even I even heard one interview with Pete Townsend where he's talked about how he 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 would. He would be jammed with, with Jimi Hendrix, and he'd be showing him these things on the amplifier, and he felt like he was giving this this guy, this kid, ammunition to take him down, mm-hmm. you know? And it's pretty much exactly what Jimi Hendrix did. Yeah. Uh, next band up is The Kinks. The Kinks, huh? The Kinks in particular. Um, so it says, before distortion pedals were invented for guitarists, there was Dave Davies of The Kinks, yep. who apparently one night took a razor blade to his guitar amp, thus creating the fuzzy warp sound heard on the breakthrough hit, You Really Got Me. Yep, that, I've, I've heard that one forever. Yeah. Uh, the use of distorted power chords popularized heavy guitar playing and was immensely influential in the, pow- in the birth of heavy metal. Uh, obviously, that track in particular was covered by Van Halen later on, mm-hmm. um, but regarded as one of the heaviest songs of the 1960s. So, um, as as far as kind of giving more more weight to the uh, future of um, the future of distorted sound, that sounds like you know. It, it, everyone uh, everyone credits him for that. Everyone yeah. that's like that's not even disputed. I yeah. think that that amplifier is actually in like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too. Yeah. So I think that is a. Uh, that is very much true. Um, next one up, Jimi Hendrix. Now, we put Jimi Hendrix into our poster discussion um, as keeping him uh-huh. because of what he meant to the time. Um, but, and you said, it was basically it was basically you saying yes. Yeah. So, I, and you still hold that opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, he, like, you talk to a lot of heavy metal guitarists and, like, there's a lot of similar influences that they all name, mm. a majority of them, um, especially from a particular era. So let's just say, like, the era of, like, the 80s, a lot of guys name Jimmy Page, uh, Van Halen, um, the guys from Iron Maiden, and Jimi Hendrix as, like, their main influences of how they played and and picking up the guitar and whatnot. Uh-huh. So, I th- again, we're not talking... I think what this... List is saying is that these guys are not necessarily metal, but they were just the like 
the precursors and the influence and the like the pioneers, yeah. you know, to open the doors for people to just fucking fly through. And 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 with with that idea in mind, I'm pretty sure there's a quote um, from Hendrix himself in um, the Headbanging History of Heavy Metal book that says that he himself says, you know, I'm not a heavy metal artist, but I feel that heavy metal is the music of the future. So there it is. So there you go. I mean, same. Th- I mean, same thing. I mean, what's his name? Lemmy never said he was a heavy metal artist. We play fucking rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, that's that was his whole shtick. Yeah. You know, and you know, to a, to a certain extent, he was absolutely right. It just sounded metal because of the way they sounded, but what the music he was playing was fucking rock and roll, in his eyes. So, you know, I get it. You know, I agree with the with the with the Jimi Hendrix thing. Uh, next up is Cream. Really? Yes. Why? Um, let's see. It says, <clears throat> uh, while jazz drummer Louis Belson is c- credited as the first musician to use a double bass drumming technique. Oh, Ginger Baker. Ginger Baker was the first rocker known for implementing the tactic. Uh, blues rock trio, which in- consisted of Baker as well as Jack Bruce and Eric Clapton, was known as the first supergroup, and each member was a virtuoso at their instrument. Uh, Baker was ne- never liked that Cream were associated with contributing to the start of heavy metal, though. Um, he said, I've seen where Cream is sort of held as responsible for the birth of heavy metal. I definitely would go for a boarding. <laughs> oh, Ginger. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess it's a lot of the, the technicality behind it. I th- yeah, I would, I would, yeah, probably just that thundering drum sound. Yeah. They, they, they were pretty much known for that. I would not say for like the guitar or bass playing for sure, because mm. Hendri- uh, Clapton is a far superior blues player than anything else. Yeah. So I would, I think as far as maybe the drum sound, maybe I might give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no. Okay. Next up, Iron Butterfly. Oh yeah, in the God of Vita. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're credited as one. I think that's credited as one of the first heavy metal songs ever, or isn't it? Probably among them. Um, yeah, it looks like they they give for some of them they give starting years, and it looks like Iron Butterfly started in 1966. I have I have the album. Um, um, Within the God of Davida on it, I think it's in the God of Davida. That's that's the name of the album. Yeah, um, which is a fantastic song. Like just through and through. It's a long song, but it's it's fantastic. Um, but I, I don't know. Let's let's see. Let's, be, <coughs> let's see what it says. Um, the liner notes of Indigo de Vida, their breakthrough follow-up to 1968's Heavy, read iron, symbolic of something heavy, as in sound, butterfly, light and appealing and versatile, an object that can be used freely in the imagination. The epic 17-minute title track from the album became a smash hit once it was cut down for radio and bridged the gap between acid rock and what would later become heavy metal. Uh, Thrash giant Slayer later covered the song in 1987, further proof that it was necessary. It was a necessary track for heavy metal. So, uh, I would kind of, I would kind of agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I have to kind of agree with that too, only because like the influence it had, especially on the sound and like the groove and the length. Yeah. You know that all, all those things kind of like became like synonymous with heavy metal, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course progressive metal and so on and so forth. Okay. So this next one is a name that I've heard of. Uh, of Forever, but I don't know anything from them. That's Vanilla Fudge. Uh, I think I've heard, of course, Vanilla Fudge, and I want to say Carmine Apice. Yes, I I have to say it has to do with the drumming. 
Yeah. Because of Carmine Apathy. Uh, and that's the only thing I know. Also, it says um, they were another forefather of the metal genre, having laid down a foundation for groups like Deep Purple with their organ-heavy sound. Ah, ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that that one, again, that's that's why I was saying that this is going to be kind of a learning experience because of the fact that I'm not as familiar with some of these, and these are some, one, some of the ones that I have to check out, uh, which includes the next one, which is Blue Cheer. See, that's another one. Isn't that also with, any, with, the, with the Carmine Apathy? I do not know. I want to say he was involved with both of those. I do not. I do not know for sure. But it says they, they named themselves after their favorite strain of LSD. Oh, there you go. And had a Hell's Angel for a manager, um, and released what became known by some as the first heavy metal song with their 1968 cover of Eddie Cochran's "Summertime Blues." So. Um, so Iron Butterfly, um, Iron Butterfly, and got a Devito was a little bit later, probably like 1969, 1970. Okay, no, okay. the Blue Cheer was not part. Uh, uh, Carmine Apathy was not part of Blue Cheer. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, in their description here on Spotify, is they played what later was called heavy metal, and when they debuted in 1968 with the album. Uh, Vincibus Eruptum. Okay. Yeah. Of course, the cover, uh, a four, a top forty cover of Eddie Cochran's hit "Summertime Blues." Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. But I've like you, like you, I've heard the name a thousand times before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is another one that I've heard. I've heard the name. I've heard covers of, but I don't know the music. Um, and that's Budgie. You know what? I know that I think. Uh, this is like one of Dave Mustaine's favorite bands mm-hmm. uh, when he was a kid. Yeah. I think they were in that wave of like the the uh, new wave of British heavy metal. Uh, here they are described as a cross between Black Sabbath due to their prodding molten heavy riffs and Rush due to their singer's high-pitched Geddy Lee-esque wail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it says... Um... Their self-titled debut album, which kicked off with the track Guts, was full of thick, doomy riffs, partially due to Black Sabbath producer Roger Bain. Ah. So there, there, there comes some of that 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 Sabbath, you know, comparison. Yep. Because uh, they have uh, a a uh, mutual oh. producer. Oh. And, yeah. And uh, they, uh, we know, we know, uh, Bread Fan. Yeah, by, by that's m- what I was just looking at. And crash course and brain surgery. Yeah. So, and and apparently Iron Maiden has covered a song or two of theirs. Yes, well. they have. So, um, so again, something that we're a little less familiar with, but something that we have to do our research on. Yeah. But we already mentioned this next one, uh, Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I think I've been a long proponent of the fact that they were one of the first heavy metal bands. I think at to the point where like they were, like there's always a, a debate about who was the first heavy metal band. You know, Black Sabbath, of course, being the heavy metal band that we know and love today. But I think the first, one of the first bands to be actually be called heavy metal was Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Often regarded as the band that invented heavy metal for several different reasons, they weren't the first band to use wailing vocals, distorted guitars, deep bass lines, and roaring drum fills, but they were the first band to blend it all of it together. To top it all off, they were incredibly loud. Uh, Black Sabbath formed the same year, but bassist Geezer Butler has often stated that Led Zeppelin were their favorite band to listen to in their early days before they even had an album out of their own. They had it. 
which leads into Black Sabbath, which I don't think we have to say anything about. I don't think anybody that. needs to say that. I think everyone. I think the joke going around is that every riff in the world has already been written by Tony Iommi. Yeah. Everyone's just yeah, kind yeah. of doing this, changing it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, next one up is Deep Purple. I think is I agree with the Deep Purple thing, especially because concerning the influence that they had on on latter bands, and they were pretty heavy for their fucking time. Yeah. You know, the organ thing probably threw some people off. But the thing is, I think that added to their heaviness, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it added a whole other level of fucking doom and gloom to certain things. Yeah. And John Lord was fucking fantastic. So it says that by the time that Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath had staked their claim, Deep Purple were already three albums in. But it wasn't until they decided to embark in a new direction and switch their lineup that they were able to create sounds found on their breakthrough album, Deep Purple and Rock. Ian Gillen belted out notes that not even Robert Plant could hit, paving the way for the vocal styles of later metal singers such as Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson. They were fast, heavy, and dubbed the loudest live band of their time. And Richie Blackmore was a fucking virtuoso. Yeah. If, if, if a riff wasn't written by Tony Omi, it was probably done by, by Blackmore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next one is Steppenwolf. I, th- I, I think even Steppenwolf claims that they... It, just by using the word heavy metal thunder in their song, Born to be Wild, that they were one of the originators of heavy metal. And mm. I would kind of agree with it. They have a very chunky sound mm. for the time that they came out. Like, was it like 1969 or something like that? And they're, they're kind of, they're also kind of saying that like the term heavy metal is, is, um, using the, using the term heavy metal thunder and, 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 and shortening that to heavy metal. That's kind of what got the, the title to it yeah. as well. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't really give much more uh, information about you know necessarily why. Uh, uh, I think. I think just like if I'm just thinking sound wise, like the the guitar riff for "Born to Be Wild" is actually like it's chunky as shit. It's like a slower version of "Paranoid." Yeah. In all in all honesty, mm-hmm. so you know I can see where like where they get that from. Not just the term that they use in their song, but the actual sound as well. Yeah. Um, next one I've never heard of. Period. Uh, Sir Lord Baltimore. Sir Lord Baltimore. That's the name of a band. Yeah, or yeah, or a person or an artist. Okay, the, well, here's here's uh, here's part of the reason why I've never heard of it. Sir Lord Baltimore had such a brief career that there are hardly any photos of them on the internet. But that doesn't mean their influence was not profound. Uh, here they are. Their riff-heavy, fast-paced debut album, Kingdom Come, was one of the heaviest albums of the year 1970. They are known as a, as one of the first groups to be described as heavy metal, thanks to Mike Metal Saunders' review of the album in Cream Magazine. They're from Brooklyn. Huh. Okay. Uh, ironically enough, for us. Yeah, but apparently they didn't. They didn't last very long. But they, they had strength. I've, I've never heard of them before. So that's new to me. Yeah. It says because of uh, pre- their precocious raw talent was offset by their immaturity and utter lack of business acumen. Uh-huh. Their budding career was summarily derailed after just two generally underrated albums. Thus, they were cursed to endure decades of obscurity until their music was rediscovered, vindicated, and often covered or flat-out copied by many stoner rock bands of the 1990s and beyond. Okay. So that's one we definitely have to look into. Yeah, I mean, also just looking through the... uh, I'm not reading words. I'm just seeing highlighted... uh, uh, What's it called? What's it called? Highlighted artists such as Bruce Springsteen, Jimmy Page, Pink Floyd, and Jimi Hendrix. Okay. So there's, there's definitely some kind of something going on here and it's a long fucking story okay. so 
something to look into for sure. Next one uh, is again another name that I've heard of for a long time, but I don't I don't know any of their stuff. Humble Pie. Really? Yeah. That's not who I would think of. I always thought of them as like a uh, as like a as a like a pop rock group. Mm. Um. Well, like, what are they known for? Thirty uh, days in the hole. Get down to it. Live with me. Black coffee. Hot and nasty. So it says, prior to the review of the aforementioned Sir, Bal- Lord, Sir Lord Baltimore, the term heavy metal was used to describe music for the first time in Saunders' Re- Rolling Stone review of Humble Pie's As Safe As Yesterday Is. <coughs> the critic referred to the group as a noisy, unmelodic, heavy metal-laden shit rock band, <laughs> with the loud and noisy parts beyond doubt. So I, would, I guess that it, it's you know that kind of chaotic sound... That you know we're known for as, as that's, that 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 became things like um, that that rock and roll was known for, of course, but that that kind of is amplified by things like death metal, extreme metal, and whatnot. Yeah, I'm so. also looking at the year. I mean, as safe as yesterday is, uh, came out in 1969. Yeah. So, like, if there is if there's like, anything like what they what they described, of course, at that time, that then. They would be like, "Yeah, what the fuck's going on?" Yeah, yeah, because I'm sure they were they were not used to things like that and necessarily. So people were probably still trying to get over uh, uh, Elvis's hip gyration. Yeah, still we're working on that. <laughs> we're getting there. Uh, next up, Grand Funk Railroad. Really? I like Grand Funk Railroad. I know you do. Yeah, I, but I, would you, would you be would you put that in there though? I'm not I'm not entirely sure as far as the sound goes, but let's see what they say. So, Grand Funk Railroad were regarded as a pivotal group in shaping the heavy metal scene in America while the British invasion was occurring. Similarly to the way Birmingham, England inspired the industrial uh, and heavy sounds of Black Sabbath, Grand Funk's heavy roots were a result of being from the working class of Flint, Michigan. The powerful grit of their second self-titled release dubbed the Red Album put the band up against the, the likes of their their metal-shaping comrades. Um, so it's been a while since I've actually listened to their, their stuff, but I like them. Um, but I, I guess, again, this is a matter of, well, you know, stuff that, that pioneered. It's not stuff that we would necessarily consider to be metal. So I guess a lot of the, again, the, the, the distorted sounds and the and the, the strength of the music in general would contribute to them. So, I mean, um, my guess is as good as yours there. Yeah. So, um, no surprise here, which we probably don't have anything to say, but Judas Priest. Oh, yeah. Judas Priest. So, nothing... Like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the last one that they list here. Oh, really? Yeah. So, there was, there was just the, the few there. Um, so Judas Priest is listed as, as the last one, 1969. Again, these are all the ones that pioneered heavy metal. So uh, obviously, we consider Black Sabbath, we consider Judas Priest to be heavy metal, but the others, you know, we we do consider to be more of the pioneers, not necessarily in the same um, vein as metal as we know it. So, but. Um, I think the list was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested, and in now because you know things are so fucking available. Yeah, you know, especially now that you have Spotify. You yeah, can, I mean that's what I'm doing right now. I'm making a playlist of what I'm calling pre-metal, um, and I want to go through a bunch of this shit. Yeah, that I don't know. Yeah. So we can we can probably do a follow-up discussion about that at some point. We or definitely you, could. You, yeah, since since we can since we talk about what else we've been listening to lately, anyway. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the list. Uh, some some obvious ones on there, and some, and some sort of surprises and whatnot. Um, like the humble pie through me for sure. Yeah, so it gives us it gives us something to look at, something to listen to, as far as how to you know what to what to you know further research for. Our, and then and then some of the bands that were listed in in the uh, um, in this list weren't. Uh, weren't mentioned in the one book I've read so far of, of the headbanging history, so I'm wondering if they're going to, like, they weren't necessarily mentioned as pioneers, but I'm sure they were mentioned in passing. Um, but I'm, sh- I'm wondering, you know, do other other people, other authors consider these to be, you know, pioneers and whatnot? So uh, it's it's going to be, it's going to be a curious thing to do further research for this, and hopefully, you know, it does some help for, for our folks who listen, all all two of you, <laughs> to do some research of your own if you're interested in, in finding out more about like those those pioneers of heavy metal and and what what you think as far as that goes. What I'm what I'm thinking is going to be interesting is I'm probably listening to some of these older things that we were talking about, like the Blue Cheer and the Vanilla Fudge and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I'm going to hear stuff that I'm listening to now. Yeah, like uh, the Royal Thunder, the Lucifer. Uh, some of those uh, what we're calling retro rock bands, yeah. like that sound is probably going to be more what I'm listening to, like when I listen to Blue Cheer and fucking Vanilla Fudge and stuff like that. Okay. So it feels like we're kind of coming at the beginning of the circle while I'm at the end of the circle. Yeah. You know. So just kind of going back and saying, like, I can I can see the comparisons here. I can see where this comes from. And oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is which is always fun. So it's always and plus we've always we've always been very upfront with like we're we're talking about and we have very bias opinions to the stuff that we know. Yeah. So any kind of learning yeah. experience is always good. We're 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 not we're not embarrassed by what we don't know about yeah. about metal. So we're always we're always open to to learn more, which is you know why we why we explore things like this, why we like to read the books that come out and everything like that. So and, and open to suggestion for the most part. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Unless it's the same suggestion over and over, and it's like, I'm sorry, but I think they suck. <laughs> but anyway, so that's our discussion. That was uh, good. I like that. Our first discussion in a long time. Yeah, really. So, uh, yeah, I went, I went specifically looking for a list to do that today because we haven't had a discussion in a while. So, um, but take from that as you wish, folks, and and you. You who is talking to me right now? Yeah, me. So, um, and uh, we're gonna make our curtain call because Warrior and Elf need food badly. Yes, curbside. Yeah, Hoot. yeah. <laughs> if if we can, I gotta make sure that they actually are open. What's so. our backup plan? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> we're going to Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be opposed to that because have you had their breakfast burger, bro? No, I haven't. Oh, bro. It's a cheeseburger. Well, it's, it's past 11 o'clock, so they probably stopped. Fuck, that's right. They don't do breakfast all day. But still, yeah. it's a cheeseburger. It's a junior cheeseburger with an egg, with bacon, and hash browns yeah. on a fucking burger. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's like one of those things that I see on guys' grocery games. Like they're basically like, you know, if you want to make anything like classy, throw an egg on top of it. You better fucking believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, I'm Dan Mack. And I'm Chris Mack. And we are The Slime. <laughs>